All right, good morning. Today we're going to continue our series of messages called Help. And today is the second part of a six-week series that we're doing. And today's message is entitled, Help My Body. This body, my physical body, is out of whack. And if you'll look behind me, you'll notice there's a Bowflex, there's a treadmill, and there's all kinds of painful, torturous elements up here, and uh, even a race bike and weights. And somebody said, are you going to utilize all that while you're preaching? Absolutely not. That would be a catastrophe. So today I do want to come with a grace-based, encouraging, and hopefully motivational message. Let me say that again. At the very inception of this sermon, let me say, I want to come with a very grace-based, hopefully inspirational and a motivational message for you and for me to take care of these bodies, these temples that the Bible says is the very residence. Think about this, the residential presence of God in your body. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to read these passages of Scripture to you, verses 19 and 20. Uh, Paul says to the church at Corinth, and he could easily say to the church at Great Hills, do you not know that your body… Now, the Greek word soma, body, means this. It's your, it's your physical body. Do you not know that it is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you, therefore, you are bought at a price. Now glorify God in your body. Some of you are looking at me like, that's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It does say that. And it's right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. It says, therefore, uh, this is an imperative verb. It's a verb of command. When Paul says, glorify God in your body, in this temple, and then he says also, and in your spirit, which are God's. And so today, I hope to encourage you with this message going, <laughs> Help, my body is out of whack. And I'm laughing because I was up in the coffee shop a couple hours ago, and uh, Kristen Turkelson, bless her heart, she came up to me, and, and she's pregnant with twins, all right? And she goes, let me tell you something, my body is out of whack. And I said, well, God bless you, sister. It, it, yeah, because you got two babies in there, two boys in there. Amazing. So, Kristen, Thank you for that sermon illustration. She said, my body is out of whack. Well, you may not be pregnant today, but you may feel that way. You may feel that this physical, some of you guys are going, no, never have, never will be. Thank you, brother. But you may feel like, yeah, just things aren't, aren't right in my physical temple, in my body, and I hope this encourages you. The Bible says in Psalm 139, you're familiar with this passage. I love this passage. I had an opportunity couple years ago to debate this lady down at the Capitol there, and was we were debating on the importance of life and how life begins at inception. She says, can you please show me that in the Bible? And I said, well, Psalm 139 says that God saw us in our mother's womb, and He knitted us together. He fashioned us there, and I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully evolved through mass mutation and natural selection. That's how I got here. Absolutely not. Unequivocally, no. The Bible says, I praise you, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully… Church, what's it say? I am made. I have been crafted. I have been created by a marvelous, awesome, benevolent God. And he says, and marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows it very well. Look at, look at that last phrase. The psalmist says, God… I know that 
this body, this life that you have given me, it is so complex, it is so amazing. In fact, I'm so fearfully and wonderfully made, and my very soul knows it. And you know, we, we do know it. Deep in our souls and in our spirits, we know until we are falsely indoctrinated with this evil of mass mutation and ev evolution, we know deep down inside that there is a God and surely He's creative, surely He is benevolent, not malevolent, and surely He is gracious and kind, and He has so crafted us not only physically and materially, but He's crafted us with a very soul and a spirit. That's what it means when it says, and I've created you in my image so that you can have fellowship and relationship with me. Think about these bodies for just a minute. Did a little research on our anatomy and our physiology. And let me just give you a quick biology lesson for just a couple of moments. Are you good with that? Sure you are. Here we go. There are 11 major organ systems in our body. Not to mention all 11, but there are a circulatory, digestive, nervous, respiratory, and reproductive, just to name a few. Your heart pumps 2,000 gallons of blood through its chambers every single day. And with the help of your lungs, you take in 17,000 breaths a day without ever having to consciously think about it. Your brain, it's amazing. It processes 50,000 thoughts every day. Your stomach, God has so crafted our stomach with this alkaline substance and ability that it neutralizes the stomach acid that could literally melt metal. It's that strong, but it doesn't eat us up from the inside because God has counteracted that with this alkaline substance. Well, our eyes. Our eyes can make 100,000 different movements, and they blink 28,800 times every single day in order to keep our eyes both moist and clean. The largest organ in our body is… Anybody? It's our skin. Very good, students. I had forgotten that, to be honest with you, until I did a little research here. The largest organ in our body is our skin, which sheds more than one million skin cells every single day. Your brain, your brain, back to your brain and your mouth, they work together seamlessly, and you speak 5,000 words a day if you're a female. <clears throat> Only 2,000 if you're a male, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Your kidneys, they filter two pints of blood every minute while also getting rid of 2.5 liters of urine every day. Your liver identifies nutrients you need and stores them away, and it filters 1.5 quarts of blood every minute, and it produces a quart of bile. Yeah, same thing quart of bile every day to break down your food. Now, how in the world does that happen? Surely we have been crafted. Surely there is a great architect who has put this cosmos, this universe together, and we are the very apex. We are the very pinnacle of God's creation. In fact, He did. He said it in Genesis 1, as I said a moment ago, and I create you in my very image so that you can have fellowship with me. Now these bodies, they are special. They are amazing, actually, when you think about it. And God has so chosen the human anatomy and physiology to occupy with His very presence. God did not choose an inanimate object like a desk or a tree, or He didn't choose another animated object like an animal. No, He chose us. And just that very fact alone, 
that God has crafted us and given us these bodies, at least we ought to do our best to try to take care of these bodies. And so today I want to talk to you very, very pragmatically. It's going to be probably the most utilitarian messages I've ever preached. It's very practical and it's very grace-based. I really hope you don't hear me just… In, in fact, I, I hope, I hope if you're here today and you're like, man, I just feel so guilty. I don't take care of my body. I'm obese. I'm overweight. I, I haven't gone to the doctor in a hundred years. And man, I just feel bad. I, I think I'll just eat worms and die. I just think I'll roll over in my grave. No, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to exit. You need to just listen carefully and just open up your spirit to the Spirit of God and watch what God will do. He will administer grace and peace to you, and He'll give you this incredible desire to take care of your body so that you can serve Him to the optimum. So there's a couple things I want to do. First of all, I want to look at the Word of God. That's a great place to start. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture that speak very cogently and succinctly very powerfully to our physical bodies. And then I want to end with five or six very practical, pragmatic ways that we can take care of our physical temples. First one is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We just read that a moment ago. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I love verse 20 where it says, you were bought at a price. You and I were purchased from the slave market of sin through the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ so that we could have fellowship with Almighty God. It works something like this. The triune God, the Holy Spirit of God draws you to conviction and repentance. The Lord Jesus Christ took your place on the cross, took my place on the cross, He shed His blood. Thank you, Ralph. That was a powerful song about the substitutionary death, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit draws us. The Son of God dies for us, and the Father restores us to Himself when we come and simply ask for forgiveness. And the Bible says, you were bought at a price. The Son, the Son of God, took upon human flesh. We call that the incarnation. You know, think about that. Of all the things that God could have inhabited, He chose the physical body. He did not choose the physical son. Like I said a moment ago, he did not choose some animal. He did not choose some tree. He did not choose anything. He chose these physical bodies to manifest his presence in us. And Paul says, therefore, in light of that, let us glorify God in our bodies. Did y'all hear that? Glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits because, after all, they are God's. Not Mormonism, we are God's, no God's possession. God possesses us. Now, there's this thing called Greek dualism. And it goes something like this. And this was very prevalent and prominent in, in Paul's day. And Greek dualism went like this, that anything of the flesh, anything of the material world, the body was sinful. And everything of the spiritual and the soulish realm then that was good, and that was precious. And so it really does not matter what you do to these physical bodies. This is called Greek dualism. doesn't matter what you do with these bodies. In fact, you just indulge these bodies and do whatever you want to do. It's a very hedonistic approach to life. It's very prominent today in secular hedonism. It just says, just do whatever you want to do because these bodies are not that, they're not that important. What's important is your spirit and your soul. And Paul says, that's absolutely incorrect. Your body is important. 
your soul. We all know that. Our spirit, our in, you know, the, the inner man, that inner woman is very important, but so is our bodies. And that's why he says, glorify God. I'm in 1 Corinthians 6, 20, when he says, doxatso, the root word for doxology. He says, glorify, worship God with your body and with your spirit. Overindulgence of the flesh, whether it's food, sex, whether it's drink, whatever it is, overindulging this physical material body is not worshiping and glorifying God, and neither is pornography. It's not. It's not glorifying God. It's not worshiping God like we should. When we get involved in pornography and overindulge, we we get into the worshiping the creature instead of the creator. And God says, with your body and with your soul, worship me, because after all, I am the one who gave it to you in the first place. Bitterness of spirit is not worshiping God. And angry, vitriol, this bitterness, this the septicness in us that just gets angry without any cause at all. That's not of God. God says, worship me. Worship me with your body and with your soul. The second biblical text I want to look at with you is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And all my workout buddies, they love this passage of Scripture. They say, where does it say in the Bible you're supposed to work out? I tell you, all oh, that's a bunch of ungodly apparatus up there. Just, that's all just needs to go to hell. Throw that bicycle away. Throw all that bow flex. My word, what in the world is that? That looks like a torture chamber over there. Just, just do away with that. That has nothing to do with God. And it does, actually. The Bible says, listen to this, I like this New Living Translation when it says, physical training is good. The Bible actually calls it good. You say, well, what's the Greek word for physical training? Gymnasia. <laughs> Some of you are going, nauseated is what make, makes me feel. No, 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 don't get the last part, get the first part. Gymnasia. It's where we get the English word. Somebody help me. Gymnasium or gymnastics. You say, where, where is that again, Brother Dan? It's 1 Timothy 4 8, where it says physical training. That's the Greek word, gymnasia. Okay? It is good. But training for godliness, notice this, is better, much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, watch this. Promising benefits in this life refers more to the just pure physical training, okay? When you think about it. But promising benefits in this life, now watch this, but godliness promises benefits in this life and in the life to come, all right? And so he's juxtaposing physical training over spiritual training, and he says spiritual training is by far more important. However, there is a place, and it is important to involve yourself in physical exercise, physical training. By the way, when you exercise, you feel better, and you feel better about yourself. I couldn't wait to say that. Can I say that again? Thank you. When you exercise, you feel better physically, and then you feel better about yourself spiritually, emotionally. Okay? You can handle sickness better. You can... um, combat stress a whole lot better if you're taking care of these physical bodies. I like what Warren Wiersbe says in his commentary on 1 Timothy 4.8. He says, Paul shifts to an athletic illustration at this point in his letter. Certainly, he says, we ought to care for our bodies 
and exercise is a part of that care. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and they are His tools for His service. But then he says, but Paul did not ask Timothy to choose between the physical and the spiritual. In fact, he said, I think God expects us to practice both. A healthy body can be used of God, but we must major on holiness, Wiersbe writes. Godly character and conduct are far more important than golf trophies or home run records, though it is possible for a person to do both. Very well said. Paul challenged Timothy to be as devoted to godliness as an athlete is to his sport, and we are living and laboring for eternity, end of quote. It's not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to jot down this text, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says, and also, if anybody competes in athletics, the, the, the Greek phrase, the English phrase competing in athletics is one Greek word, athle, and it's where we get the word athletics or an athlete. He says, if anybody competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And again, that's, that's almost a validation. That's almost a scriptural reference to it is important. It is, it, it is good to compete as long as you do it according to the rules. It is good to take care of our physical bodies. There's one more passage I want you to look at, and it's tucked away in one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's, it's Proverbs chapter 31. It describes the good industrious, godly woman. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who, anybody? Fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That's not the verse, though. This is the verse. Proverbs 31, 17 says, she dresses herself with strength and she makes her arms strong. Now, how do you do that? How did they do that in the Old Testament? I don't know. Maybe they had some of this going on. I don't know. Let me see how heavy this is. I hope this is not very heavy. It's not. Amen. How, how do you make your arm strong? Well, this is one way to make your arm strong. I don't know. Maybe she got up before dawn and took, took some baskets, I don't know, took some wheat and flour or whatever, and maybe she just made her arm strong, just exercised her arms a little bit. Well, guys, we, we got this stuff going on. I'm not even going to get on this. I, this thing just absolutely, it frightens me. I, I, don't, I don't know. Now, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy this thing here. Maybe more about that in a moment. So you say, all right, you, you got me. I, I admit you know your Bible and you've studied it, and it does say the Bible says the body is a temple. It's important to take care of it. It's a gift of God. Health is important. Physical training profits. Even though it says it profits little, it still profits so how are we going to obey this? How are we going to put into practice what the Bible says when it says, take care, worship God with your physical bodies? Well, I want to just look at some very practical things, and I hope, like I said earlier, I really hope this encourages you. Now, before we get into the very practical elements, I do want to give you this little caveat about exercise. Exercise and working out is only a part of it. The other part of taking care of your physical body I'm about to get in trouble with some guys. I know y'all don't want me to say this. And some of you wives, you're just going to be giving me high five after the service. You're going to be, you're going to be giving them the old elbow and the side. And it's important to go to your doctor, all right? Dr. Murray, I heard him say amen a minute ago. So, yes, your doctor 
is important, and so is your dentist. I mean, just last week, it's, it's amazing how God works this out. Guys, I'm just telling y'all, y'all probably figured this out way in advance. I am not that smart. I could never craft all my doctor's appointment, colonoscopies, dentist appointments, all in the same week I'm preaching on physical exercise. That's just amazing to me that God would allow this. Go to Dr. Diabody the other day. He takes good care of me. Got to pray with him. He got to pray with me. How about that for a dentist? That's pretty cool, isn't it? And then I got my colonoscopy. Boy, that'll bless you guys. I just want y'all to know that. That is an experience that uh, you just got to go through. It's, uh, the colonoscopy's not that bad. It's the night before. Amen. Woo, son, drink that stuff and just watch it go. Watch it flow. Watch it just flow right out of your body. So I do this, and no joke, I go to um, Dr. Ellis, and we talked, had a good time. He says, do you like to run marathons? I said, yeah, I'm just starting at it. He goes, well, I've, I've run marathons. In fact, he said, I run track in college. And he's a cool guy, just, just kind of, I just liked him. And after he did the colonoscopy, he came to me, and he goes, He looked at me pretty serious. He goes, you're the poster boy for why I do what I do. And I'm just still kind of drugged up on whatever he gave me. It knocked me out. I was out. Amen. And I was looking at him like, what? He goes, you run marathons, but I found a large precancerous polyp in your colon, and I took it out. And I just want you all to know, guys, had I not gone and done that, Brother Danny wouldn't be here for many more years. You say, you're making this up. I'm not. Ask my wife. She was there. And I even remember him telling me this. He's looking at Ashley going, he's not going to remember any of this, but just tell him what I'm telling. But I do remember it. It's like the Holy Spirit said, listen up. 1.5 centimeter precancerous polyp removed from my body. Had he not done it and I not done the colonoscopy, I, I wouldn't be here many more years. Isn't that wild? Is this important? Is it important to any of you guys that are 50 years of age and older? Get your colonoscopy, okay? Please. (laughs) I know, it's nasty, but it could save your life. I I just, I wish I could be a little fly on the wall when y'all go to lunch later on today. (laughs) And some stranger walks by and says, what did your preacher say? He said, get a colonoscopy, it'll bless your life. Yeah, right, amen. It will. Oh, and another thing happened this week, just this week. I, I get a phone call from a dear friend of mine. It's Monday afternoon. I, I try to get a large part of my sermon done on Monday because it gives me the rest of the week to process it, add to it, didact it, I mean, uh, redact it, and just get it all together for Sunday. It takes me about six days to get a sermon completed, and it starts on Monday. I get a call from a friend of mine, and he says, uh, pray for me. I'm on my way to Florida. He lives in Georgia. A real successful businessman out in Georgia. He says, pray for me. I'm going to see my dad, and my dad is 71 years of age, and they said, hurry and get there because he only has hours, maybe a day left. Then he told me the story. He said, years ago, the doctor told my dad, you must quit smoking. He's drank all of his life, smoked all of his life, and he says, if you do not quit smoking, I promise you, sir, it's going to kill you. You are not going to be around to enjoy your children and grandchildren. He said, thank you, doc, but no thanks. Always smoked. I'm going to smoke until I die. Now, get this. His son, who's about my age, a little younger, 
driving to Florida. He gets there just in time to hold his dad's hand. His dad slips into eternity, but here's the heartbreaking part. Mike, my friend, he says, please pray for my son Parker because he's so close to his grandfather. And I thought about all the years that the grandfather have forfeited with his grandson who loves him dearly, wants to spend many more years with him, but the grandfather chose cigarettes over a grandson. See, this, this kind of gets sticky. It, get, it gets personal. But we ought to take care of these bodies. Well, let me, sh- let me show you a couple ways on how to do it, okay? I'm no expert at it. I- I'm certainly a novice at it. I've been, I'm learning. I'm 51. I've been working out dutifully since I was 12 years of age. So I know a little something about it, but I'm certainly no expert or, or doctor in it. But number one, I want to share this with you. Number one, start. Start. Start somehow, some way. Start today. If you've ever written a paper in college and you look at the blank, blank sheet and you look at the blank screen on the, on the computer, it will intimidate you to death. But when you just start putting your thoughts down, students, am I not right? When you just actually start, they're all going, yes, that's right. When you start writing and typing, things just start to happen. And, and so you've, there has to be an inception point. There has to be a beginning. And so I just encourage you to, to start. And I read this not uh, a couple years ago, and this, boy, this really pierced me when it says, when the pain of being out of shape exceeds the pain of working out, that's going to be a good day for you because that means change is on the horizon. It's a good word. Secondly, anticipate struggle and ask God to help you, okay? Uh, anticipate struggle. It is a struggle. Listen, if it wasn't a struggle, there would be no obesity, there would be no hypertension, everybody would just be in perfect health if it was no struggle. It is a struggle. But I want you to look at it more as a lifestyle than an event. I don't even like the word diet, because diets are made to be broken. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't like the word diet. I like the word lifestyle. Just make it a lifestyle. In in 2005, I was 15 pounds overweight, and most of it was right here. I was chubby bunny, had it right here, and I had a bunch of it right here. And I went to the doctor, and uh, and they said, well, you're going to get life insurance, and so in order to get life insurance, you got to get your blood work done. I did not like where this was going, because every day, every day, I had a Coke sweet tea. By night, I had chocolate chip cookies and bluebell ice cream every single night, and I liked it, okay? (laughs) I liked it a lot. And Hannah, my witness, didn't we, baby? She's going, yeah, Dad, I made them for you. You ate them. You ate them. (laughs) And they were drawing my blood, and and they went and they did the blood labs, and they came back and they said, sir, do you know that your triglycerides? I said, so what? I said, who is that? What is that? They said, it's your blood sugar, and and anything over 150 is high. Yours is 539. I said, I don't like you. Get away from me. Quit telling me this. You know, it's funny how we get mad at the the messenger, and and I was like, well, what what do you mean? They said, are you you eating, drinking a lot of sweets? I said, what do you mean by sweets? You know, what what do you mean by, (laughs) yeah, of course I am. And so I started that day, I said, I'm going to make some changes. My triglycerides went from 539 to 89. Today, they're about 200, which is, which is okay, all right, it's okay, I can live with that. 
And again, it's lifestyle. It's not that I never drink a Coke or never eat Bluebell. I do. I just don't do it every night. But I want to. <laughs> oh, I promise you, I want to. Grilled chicken and salad. Amen. Uh, that's another story. I don't, I don't have time for that. I got to go to number three. Third is get the proper advice and equipment. When you're going to get in shape, don't go it alone. There's lots of help. There's lots of people that can encourage you. There's lots of uh, a good advice. I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Bob Meyer, a great chiropractor here in Austin, and, and he's become a dear friend. And I, I just appreciate him so much because he's helped me. When I injure myself, he, he helps me. And, and he says, there are some things you can do and if you'll do these, it will prevent you from getting injured. Now, I'm about, this is my gym bag, by the way. Man, it doesn't smell very good, but I got all kinds of stuff in here. And if anybody ever approaches you with one of these, run. Run as if your life is dependent on it. I'm just kidding. This is a roller, all right? And, um, and you roll your muscles out. You take it, and you just roll them. You say, boy, that hurts. No, it doesn't hurt. And the calves, you can roll your calves, do that kind of stuff. But oh, let me show you this. Talking about equipment, this is the granddaddy. This is the baby right here. Let me see if I can do this. I had not planned on this. Okay. If you want to roll this muscle, you get down like this, and you roll it. There you go. All right, you roll it. You get on your side, that hurts, but do it, all right? Yeah, roll it out, roll your muscles out. And you can do your gluteus maximus, you can do those, all right? And then, it's called glutes. You can do your calves, do these a lot, I do these. I do this twice a day, by the way, twice a day. I roll out my muscles. Because I like to, I like to take care of myself, I like to run, I like to uh, do these marathons and triathlons and all that stuff, and there's my gym. There's my gym bag. So get you some good equipment. There's all kinds. Oh, this thing. I like this thing. I use this thing a lot. I'll get me some. How y'all doing out there? Y'all okay? So if I had my feet up again, here, let me, hope I don't hurt myself. I had not planned on doing this, but. Some of y'all just need to see it. I feel it. Sorry. Hook your feet in there. Just, you do those? Yeah. That helps you. I usually take about 30 pounds, put it behind my head, and do those a bunch of times. And uh, so get some good equipment, some good advice. Stay. Stay, puppy. That's a little trick I learned, too. It'll, it'll stay. If you don't, it'll roll right over here and get you. All right? Some of y'all are looking at me like, he's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. Number four, it's very simple. Believe that you can do it. Okay? Just believe that you can do it. There's a passage of Scripture I've been memorizing now for the last couple of weeks. It's changed my life. It's Ephesians 1.19. It says, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power in us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power. Believe that you can do it, and you can do it. Number uh, five, uh, set goals. I love being able to set goals. Some of you, your goal would be to walk a couple times a week. Do it. Just walk a couple times a week. Eat desserts three or four times a week instead of seven days a week. Start small. Just start small. You can, you can do it. 
Listen, if you told me I was going to run a marathon when I was 51, and I was going to do triathlons in my 50s, guys, y'all just don't know how I would have laughed at you. Because I would say, there is absolutely, unequivocally no way. I, I was a lifeguard in, in college, but I couldn't swim that good. I'm glad nobody died. I'm glad nobody went under. I, I just, I couldn't swim that I just thought it looked good. You know, I just had my, my hat on. I just thought that was the coolest thing. I couldn't swim that good. And I, I would swim to one end of the pool and I'd be going, oh, I said, this is awful. And I'd just be miserable. And then they said, you're going to run 26 miles? And I used to joke, I said, the only way I would ever run if somebody was chasing me. And then I would say, I, I wouldn't say it verbally, but I would say, and this is for some of you, that's beneath me. I'm better than that. I don't need, I don't need that. And until I got over that attitude, I could never really get in good shape because I had this haughtiness, this arrogance that that's, that's for weaklings. I can't, I don't want to run. I don't want to do that. And God convicted me of that and said, you, you need to do it. Number six, and finally, is encourage somebody to do it and allow them to encourage you. In fact, we have a sweet couple in our church, the Jones, uh, Gary and Christine Jones. And I'm laughing because don't try to keep up with those Jones, okay? That's not good. They are, they are the real deal triathletes. And uh, Gary and I went out and did 50 miles yesterday on the bike. And uh, this is the furthest I've ever, I've ever gone. And the reason I could do it is because he's pushing me and he's, in, he's encouraging me. And it's very reciprocal. Find somebody that you can push, that you can encourage. In fact, Gary and Christine started, y'all may not know about this, but there's a class that our church has called Radiant Fitness. It meets on Wednesday nights. And Gary and Christine, they coach you on nutrition, diet. They coach you on exercise. In fact, a couple Wednesday nights ago, it's funny, it's when it was still dark, you know, about six o'clock, I was pulling out of the, of the, the parking lot, and these people were running towards my car. It scared me to death. And I was like, oh my, and it was the Radiant Fitness class. They were getting after it. They were running. There was Gary and Christine. You say, well, how much does that cost? It's free. It's like world-class information, and it's, and it's free. And so, maybe you want to sign up for that. Well, it's noon. I want us to wrap up and just say I love you. I appreciate you. You're a great church, and I, if I can help you, let, let me help you. Let me encourage you uh, by taking care of your, your bodies. And um, these are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But I will go back to what Paul said. Physical training is good, but godliness is better because it's good forever. And there's never been a time in your life when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, I can't, but you can. I don't want to, but you want to, and I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Come into my life, and He will. Remember the first part of the sermon where I says the Holy Spirit draws you, Jesus dies for you, and the Father welcomes you in when you repent and believe. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for our church. Thank you, Lord, that there are, there are, there are those here today, God, that this sermon's going to change their life. It's going to give them more time with their grandkids. It's going to make them feel so much better physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. Lord, I pray that the, the robber, the thief would not come in and destroy and to sow seeds of doubt and, and fear, but Lord, just, just squelch him, silence him and his demons. 
So that we can only hear the Spirit of the living God who says, I created you, I love you, I'm for you, you can do this. I created you, I love you, I'm for you, you can do this. I created you. I love you. I am for you. And yes, by all means, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So, Lord, I ask you to bless our invitation. I pray there would be serious spiritual commitments made. Lord, as we surrender our bodies as well as our spirits into the Lordship of Christ, Lord, I do pray finally that it would, it would be received in grace, God. It, it, Lord, it's just like I'm, it's, just, it's like my heart just goes out to people and say, you can do this. God will help you. Just have faith. Start. Anticipate the struggle. Pray and believe and get people on, on your team and watch what God can do with your perspiration. And with God's inspiration, anything is possible. In Jesus' name I pray.